I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real life hardship. And we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom. And that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach, guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Rachel Downey is a business success coach, author, and speaker who offers courses and services that help people set and achieve goals beyond what they think is possible for their business and their lives. Rachel empowers her clients to take control of their lives and live their dreams. She's the author of The Secret Millionaire Paradigm and leads several courses to build motivation, effectiveness, and entrepreneurial capacity of individuals, teams, and corporations. So please welcome to the show, Rachel Downey. Thank you, McKinney. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rachel, for agreeing to come on and and share your journey with us and provide tools and wisdom to the women who are listening. Beautiful. I'm excited to be here today. And who knows where we'll end up going and what we'll talk about. (laughs) And, And this is what I love. And a huge part of what I love about interviewing women like yourself is you understand, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going to say you understand the assignment on the North American side. <laughs> they know what that means. But basically, um, us just being true to who we are, but also understanding the importance that mindset plays in all of our journey. So for the listeners who um, are just tuning in, just a, a quick backstory. Um, I believe it was probably my first in-person training as a coach through the Proctor & Gallagher company where our mentor, Bob Proctor, was was training I had the opportunity to connect with so many amazing humans. And I feel like, you know, in some industries, when you connect with the peers in your industry, there's, you know, competition or, you know, all these negative (laughs) environments or feelings or characteristics. But the beauty of what I've been able to take away, aside from my own personal growth and the impact is the connections, the being able to be connected to other like-minded people who are also in the world, making huge impact, who are dedicated to not only creating a better future and legacy for, 
you know, their families, their communities, but just the whole, I guess the whole spirit of just bettering ourselves and tapping into our full potential. So I know this conversation is just going to flow. (laughs) And it's interesting, Kina, because I feel exactly the same. Having grown up and having come from an energy of where I had to compete, I had to strive, I had to prove myself, I had to get somewhere, um, to then being a part of this and being, you know, connecting with very like-minded people who actually want to help you to succeed when you're in the same business, when people from the outside could be looking in going, but why would you help them? Whereas, you know, it just feels so right and so easy. And, you know, the greatest joy for me is being able to help someone else become successful, whatever it is that they're doing. And, you know, um, thinking how much for myself I'd been conditioned in a very different way. So, you know, I really, for myself, come up with a mindset of, you know, the healings in the feeling. It's Mm. really understanding what feelings you're having as to what's motivating you. So that energy behind how you're showing up and the energy behind how I was showing up was defensive. It was competitive. It was, um, I had to be the best, Um, you know, and I had to learn how to shift and change all of that. And so, in my learning and my journey, I had to understand what the difference between spirit or my intuition and then what we call paradigms, my habits, beliefs and behaviours that have been passed on from my parents and their parents or society. So I was a firstborn child and it was always about pleasing everybody else, mm. doing the right thing. And at my inner core, I still want to do the right thing. And at many times that was doing an absolute disservice to myself. So. Mm-hmm. I um, I spent a lot of my life being very frustrated, very resentful and very angry. Mm. Um, and, you know, I married a man who is an incredible human being. Uh, he's a dairy farmer and we have four, ch- four young children. But I really didn't know what I wanted to do in life. So I just j- jumped on his vision and his dream. But I didn't know I didn't know where I fit in all of that. And I feel like sometimes we go through areas of growth that we don't want to go through because there's so much pain that's attached to it. But it's almost like we have to to be able to get to the other side. And the other side is so beautiful and so sweet, but it's the polarity of it. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't experienced that pain and you know frustration or resentment, I wouldn't understand what it felt like to be oh, calm, relaxed, the freedom, the enjoyment, living of life, being guided by spirit. So, you know, it's understanding that there's that polarity that has to happen or we can't experience it. Yeah. There's so much you said there that I want to unpack. I don't even know where to start. (laughs) 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 Okay. So let's start with, actually, okay. I feel like, because the last part of what you said, I feel like I say this probably every single episode, but it's because there's that commonality with every person that has been on the show where our pain birthed our purpose. We had yeah. to go through some stuff to to get to where we are presently. So you, know, you talked about who you were before, before you became the Rachel that you are today and, and the evolution of that person. So let's start with the circumstances that you were born into. You know, we're we're all born into, you know, different set of circumstances that establish our our values and and things like that. Because of what you explained just now, were you born into like hardship or luxury? And how do you feel that impacted your parenting? I was born into parents that were both only children. 
and so very sheltered. I live in Tasmania, which is right at the very bottom of the world um, in Australia. And, um, you know, they had my mum my had done a small amount of travel with, with my nan um, and my dad had never left. He'd, you know, once gone interstate, but what a waste of money that was. Mm-hmm. So what I grew up with was a very sheltered environment, uh, very expectations around behaviour. So at that time in life, it was about, um, you know, parents were measured on how successful they were as to how well behaved your children were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being that first child I just wanted to please so I was very well behaved I was a very good girl um and then my um we lived with my nan so my mum's mum so it was a quite an interesting combination that you know and then my parents separated just before my seventh birthday and my whole world fell apart as I knew it um and you know fast forwarding a few years my mum got sick and lost her job and I was going to have to be pulled out of school um you know, a lot of things occurred at that time where we ended up living, and I'm not quite sure what it's called in the States, but um, ended up living in a housing department area where the house and things were provided for us. And um, the nuns ended up paying for my education. So they supported me through my seven years of schooling because I was a good, you know, a good child and you know, doing the right things. And, you know, um, and I did that the whole way through. But sport was something that was very big for me. Um, I was very good at it, but I lacked confidence. I was, you know, a young child. I'd had glasses from 17 months of age and I had to wear a patch and I always felt like I never fitted in. Mm. I didn't have the right clothes. I didn't have the right anything is how I saw. And I probably catastrophized much of that right. in in my mind because I just was continually comparing myself to others and being on the bottom of the pile. Right. Um, and it continued through. So for me, watching what my parents had um, at the age of 12 when mum was going to have to pull me out of school, I went, this is never going to happen to me. I'm going to earn money. I'm going to be successful. And I remember as a young girl, it was just bang. I am not, I am not having this for my life. So I pursued getting a really good education and worked really, really hard, I believe, because, you know, there was elements I suppose I could have been, you know, seen as smart, but I had to work really hard to do that. And mm-hmm. I was willing to do whatever it took. And, you know, even, you know, I put myself, I was the first one in my family to have gone through university. I'd moved out of home and supported myself from 18. I was working four jobs, you know, like, but there was something inside of me. Right. There was something inside of me, a desire that wanted more. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea where it came from, but a lot of the energy was coming from that competitive nature. It was a survival thing, I think. Right. Really coming through. Wow. I mean, again, so much things we could unpack there. <laughs> so one, having two parents that are that were only children, yeah. I already know a lot of friends of mine, you know, they call it an only child syndrome, where a lot of their behavior stems from being the only child and not having to um, have, I guess, some of the same, I don't want to say experiences, but I guess some being some of the same scenarios as, you know, households with multiple children. But then also, we know how things are passed down generationally, you know, mindsets and paradigms and all of those things. How do you think you were affected by being parented by two parents who were only children? It was not about me 
And I found that really uh, interesting having had four children. So I am constantly reflecting on the parenting I received and making a conscious decision about how I want to parent my children mm-hmm. every day, yeah. making decisions. How do I want to show up? Um, I think, you know, they both of them lacked self-confidence and, you know, that was transferred through to me. But again, there was something inside of me that would force me to put myself out there, to sing in front of a heap of people, to um, join the debating team and go bright red. I would get very embarrassed, but I kept putting myself out there, which was the exact opposite. They would, you know, very hide or we're not like those people or, you know, it was a very insular, sheltered thing, but they were very self-focused on themselves mm-hmm. so you know my mum will say that I, I bought myself up mm-hmm. and and really that's what happened so sometimes it's really lonely you know because I go gosh it would have been nice had it been but then you have the contrast you go well it wasn't as bad as what other people had or you know I had freedom or you know there was just a there's just not the understanding right there is right. just not the understanding and I don't know any different but right. I observe I spent a lot of time observing what other families were doing right how they spoke to their children, how they parented their children. And I ended up writing a book called Parenting with Hope. So my my maiden name was Hope. Um, so it's a bit of a play on words. But it was my parenting journey of how I moved into life coaching and emotional coaching initially first and how I then used that to help parent my children so wow. that I became very aware and responsive rather than reactive. Right. Wow, I just got goosebumps. And usually when I get goosebumps, I feel like, well, in my mind, I, I say it like it's the spirit talking to me. Um, <laughs> when you talked about the conscious parenting, and I don't know, now I feel like I need to go and ask all of the other coaches that I know. And I don't know if it's because we've been forced to go on our own self-discovery journey and to reflect and to not only understand ourselves and the whole um, self-image transformation, but I find, especially listening to you right now, and I have the same experience, the, the level of wanting to intentionally parent more consciously and mm. the effects that we have on our children with our words and our actions and, and all of those things. I wonder if you've seen that maybe even within your client base, mm. is that something that's common? I think it's a really interesting question. I think, you know, if I sort of backtrack a little bit and bring me back on task to the question, but... I feel like, um, you know, people will say to you, oh, you know, you have a purpose or, you know, there's a reason that you were here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many women will say, oh, it's having my children. Well, no, before you had children, there was something that was there. Well, I reflected on this question when I was asked and I truly believe that mine was showing up in parenting because I was gathering all this data from a young age. Mm-hmm. It was shelved because I wasn't coming from the place of I want to have children. It was almost subconsciously. And so in shaping what I do, what I love in working with the businesses that I work with, you know, if I look at my ideal clients, you know, it's usually, you know, a a husband and wife, but they have children. So whatever I'm teaching and sharing with them, it's actually adapting and changing, you know, what the children are going to receive in parenting. And so a lot of it, I will put them on the hook and call them out and going, well, how would it be if you were teaching this to your child? How would that plan out? So I think a lot of what I do is very connected to that. And Mm -hmm. I'm just so incredibly grateful that, 
yes, I did have the experience that I had because my children are benefiting in such a big way. And I feel that each of them have been my teachers in, in a way that I've had to show up in different aspects for all of them, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for me, it is a big part of, of how, how we're delivering and how we show up for the next yeah. generation. I love that. And maybe even before I got into personal development and this work of, of coaching, I guess maybe it was through my my church and my pastor where I already had this belief and desire that we are responsible for the next generation. And I know that many of us, our parents did the best they possibly could with what they had and with what they knew at the time. But I feel like this generation is a lot more intentional about shaping the next generation and the impact so that we're not leaving them as traumatized <laughs> as we've been left. <laughs> and it's an interesting one, McKinney, because as I said to you, that desire was in me. And I find that question and that statement sometimes I can accept it and sometimes I just can't. Mm -hmm. And I think really this is this was your best based on your level of awareness. <laughs> and you know what I mean? They didn't like, have the awareness. No, and they didn't have the awareness. It's like, really? Um, <laughs> you know, this is really frustrating from the other kind of thing of seriously, did you not see what was happening in front of you? And we're not taught to think. We're not taught to question. And we're taught that this is how things are done and this is how we did it in our family. And so it just continues. Yes. But I kept questioning things and I kept going against the grain. And, you know, when you say about this personal development, I, you know, I've spent eons of money because I saw myself as broken. Mm -hmm. I was not broken at all, but that's how I saw myself. The first book I picked up, Personal Development, was Stephen Covey's High, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Family. Oh, wow. No families. Wow. There was this desire again within me of creating a family. Mm. Again, before, I think, I don't even know if James and I were married then, but either way, that was the book I picked up. And again, it was all intentional. Yeah. You know, what kind of values do you want to have? What missions do you want to have? And, you know, it's, it's all about the intention behind yeah. what we are doing. Yeah. And I, I, I love that you also pointed out, you know, with our, our parents, their level of awareness and stuff, because I've often said that it's, well, I see it more because that's a community that I'm in, but it's, you know, West Indian parents or, um, you know, parents in the quote unquote black community where they, well, this generation, um, I guess their parents were so close to slavery. So they were constantly in like survival mode. So they weren't able to be, I guess, in that thought process of how to thrive. So their level of awareness, they did, they weren't open enough to even look for a different way or a better way. It was just do as you're told. This is how it's always been done. So whenever I hear that from someone else who is a different culture, different age, different gender, I'm always like, oh, well, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just us. Like, and that's the beauty in sharing our stories, right? And that for me is where it comes to the healings and the feeling because you may not be aware you are in survival mode energy yeah. and that's how you've operated your entire life. You don't know that you have been sort of operating that way until you feel like what freedom's like. Yeah. And you go, oh, wow, okay. But how do you know what freedom's like if you haven't experienced it? So, you know, it's just these snippets sometimes where it can be, you know, a tenth of a second and it feels something you're oh I want more of that yes please give yeah. me some more of that yeah um, and so practicing that feeling for me was a big part because I spent my life really 
in my conscious mind because it allowed me to protect myself. Mm. I stayed in the logic. I stayed in a place of being, I say to people now when I'm speaking at events, I say I'm a reformed perfectionist, control freak and workaholic. That's how I survived. Yeah. So to to then shift that, to release and, you know, release control, big deal, to, you know, not achieve perfection. You know, one of my coaches said to me, if perfection was meant to be achieved, somebody, a human being would have done it by now. Right. It's, it's utopia. It's, it's unachievable. Oh, oh I can breathe it. <laughs> and I remember doing some emotional coaching where, you know, we did emotional boot camps. So where we released anger, had anger sessions, had sadness sessions where you, you know, be crying your eyes out or screaming your head off and punching pillows and that kind of thing um and I I literally was releasing energy that had been at the bottom of my stomach mm. and I think I'd been holding my stomach in for 20 how well was that no 30 35 plus years and wow. suddenly I let go of my stomach and realizing how much I'd held in and how much I'd braced myself mm-hmm. with a not aware that I'd done that on a physical level Absolutely. I feel like a, a lot of us don't realize how much we hold on to emotions and how a lot of our aches in our bodies and all those things are related to trapped emotions and, and things that we can let go of. And I think because we've been so conditioned to look at um, you know, traditional medicine, people don't think outside of that box. And thanks to, you know, like yourself, that that love of a certain feeling is like, I want more of that. The more that I understood especially someone who was diagnosed with like a chronic illness and to find out that now based on emotion and my thoughts, feelings, and actions, I've completely shifted how my body functions. But it's like people don't realize the effects of holding on to, um, you know, their, their past traumas or like there was a session that I did with a coach and she was trained through, I can't remember the author's name right now, but um, he wrote the book, um, the emotion code. And I think he just released the body code. And I did one of those sessions and I thought, honestly, I probably went into that session very skeptical and I thought, okay, well, whatever, I'm, I'm trying something new. And she was able to release trapped emotions within me from when I was in the womb, in like my mom's pregnancy. And she would tell me what emotions she was releasing and explaining things to me. And I thought, how would you know that? Like my mind was blown. And when I looked at the dates of things from back then, like my, my parents split before I was a year old, like, but they were having trouble before, you know, I was born. All of those emotions trapped inside from within the room. So I had basically my mother's trauma passed on to me. And then, you know, having moved out at 17 because I got pregnant, my first child and all these things, every trapped emotion that she released within my body that was causing me pain or issues in certain areas. And she told me the times that those happened, my jaw had hit the floor and I was like, okay, I believe (laughs) because (laughs) the pain in my shoulder gone, the pain in my ankle gone. Like it, I feel like oftentimes we are not aware of the information that is out there. You know, that saying that you you don't know what you don't know, but I think personal development has made me almost addicted to just learning how to evolve more, how to help more, how to like make not just life better for me and my family, but anyone that I'm able to touch. So I thank God for opening my mind to personal development, but I don't think that would have happened had I not showed up 
to my first opportunity to sit down and listen to Bob Proctor speak. Yeah. Well, I had a very similar um, experience to you when you're talking about that with vibrational kinesiology. And I think I was 26, 27 and struggling to walk and ended up, you know, somebody had given me this phone number to reach out to this lady who could help me. And I was skeptical. It took me six months and um, she spoke to me on the phone, did it a little bit like what you said. She said, I can only help you so much, but this happened when you were at two months in utero. This happened at exactly a similar, and my mind was <laughs> and I wanted yeah. to understand it all. Like I could not get enough to understand it. And in the end, I was like, I don't, actually don't care anymore. I don't need to understand it. I know it works. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I really started now my analytical scientific mind and my children have just grown up. That's their normal. Yeah. They've been exposed to, you know, and I trained in NLP and I've used all of this, you know, for my own healing and then applying, but a lot in sense, the parenting side of things. So, you know, they, you know, go to this vibrational kinesiology and have things and go, are we going to see this noisy lady today? And, you know, <laughs> sounds and other bits and pieces, but it was all just part of, of growth for them and awareness. And, you know, I think to myself each, you know, when that, um, students ready, the teacher appears and you don't know what facet or form that's going to take. And so yeah. I very much started off with the emotional releasing and emotional coaching side of things to then moving into Bob's work and then sitting there going, oh my God, I'm not broken. It's not me. Mm -hmm. Wow. I change these things. And I wasn't even aware that was possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember my, um, my daughter where we've used a lot of this coaching to parent her, you know, at the age of I think she was three or four, sitting on the bottom step saying she'd given anger a name. She said, it's Fred and I'm not letting him out. Mm. She was so angry and she'd been born that way. And wow. so, you know, we went through, you know, explaining and working through things with her, but she has been my greatest teacher in life. And, you know, really with Bob's information, it's been the, the biggest blessing to watch her now grow and she's about to turn 17 and how she's able to change the story in her mind mm -hmm. of operating from fear to now I can create a new story or I am good enough, I can do this. And we've watched this timid little child who was angry and, you know, that others wouldn't even imagine now to, to see who they see. And parents say, look, we'd love our children to be like, like her. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's wow. it. Wow. That's beautiful. And and I love hearing that. I, I believe I, I think when I spoke with um, Danielle Amo, she was saying the same thing. It's like, it's because we are doing the work, it's the normal for our kids and what they get to um, see and experience. So they're, I want to say that, okay. So have you ever heard the saying that some things are taught and some things are caught? So it's, it's like, even if we are not actively teaching these things to our kids, but because we are showing them so much different from what we had growing up, you know, it becomes their, their normal, like, and I, and I pray that their life is like an abundance of blessings overflowing more than what we've ever been able to experience. But it's just a beautiful, I, like, I, it makes me emotional because it's like growing up, you know, like yourself, I grew up in government housing, didn't have you know, things that people around me have today. And I, I'm not a fan of like rags to riches stories, but I love hearing people's evolution journey and knowing the work that they've had to do and the awareness um, that they've had to go through and realize that we can change our future. Like our, our chapter doesn't, 
or our story isn't just, you know, the chapter that we're in and how much more beautiful uh, we can make it. So I, kn I know that people are typically motivated to do what, what they're doing, like driven by four different things, um, fear, desire, duty, and love. I've had some people say that what they do now is based on them all, or there's just one for you. What, what do you think that is? So it, oh, interesting. Because <laughs> I think if I reflect, mine would have been duty, definitely. And then I was resentful and angry and frustrated. Then I think in tapping into, in starting with working with Bob, I had desires, but I didn't give myself permission to experience them, if that makes sense, because I'd talk myself out of that's not possible for me. So then I activated desire. It was suddenly like, oh, this is achievable. I can do this. So the desire was started to be expressed. What was the next one? Duty, um, so there's, what did I say? Fear, desire, yeah. duty, oh, and God. love. Yeah, I lived on that. <laughs> yeah, fear. So I think I'm in the space of probably moving into love now, but intentionally I feel like it's more for me it's from spirit. So I feel like I allow myself to be guided. So I had to learn how to let go. Now, in order for me to be able to do that, you've got to work out what you're hanging on to sometimes. But sometimes you don't know that until you've let go. And you yeah. tell yourself to let go and you go, I don't know what I'm hanging on to. And it's so this catch-22 of surrendering. Well, what's surrender? Like, you know, again, experiencing it intellectually, but to understand it on a whole deep subconscious level where it's in every cell of your being. Yeah. For me, I feel it's not 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 those four apart from if I look at love, but to me that's what spirit's guiding to. You know, what would love do? What is my intention here? Mm -hmm. You know, what blessings are present? It's really coming from that intention for me. Wow. So, okay, so what I would love to know is, especially because the the shift in generations, did what did you want to be when you were a little girl and what did your parents want you to be when you grew up? Uh, so what an interesting question. <laughs> My parents wanted me to be anything. In all mm. honesty, there was never a guidance or a questioning of, of that. For me, I just wanted to, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to, at about the age of 12, I was involved in a youth group and they did a lot of fundraising for for countries, you know, Bhutan and other areas. And so I wanted to travel the world and to be able to give and, you know, in those areas. So uh, I don't know, a seed was planted. And then I was like, well, actually, was that my seed or was that their, their seed? Was that actually what I really wanted to be doing or not? Um, but I went and did an ag science degree at university because I felt that would be a way that I could go into third world countries and, you know, work and, and help. And, um, and then I got married. And so I had children. And so that didn't occur. And it wasn't until my first child was... In year seven, I, I took her to Cambodia and we did some volunteer work there. And then I did that with my second daughter and then COVID hit. So I haven't been able to do that with my other two children. But um, I was exposed to Cynthia Kersey and the Unstoppable Foundation through Bob. And so I wanted to make a difference in the sense of I wanted to sponsor a village. That's what mm -hmm. I wanted. To do. I wanted to be able to do that. And, you know, the cost of that 
you know, from where my mindset was, oh God, I can I can afford a thousand bucks if I can do that. I'll donate that. That's all I can start with. Right. And then I just built my belief as to what was possible and my desire. And over the last three years, it was sponsored three villages. Now, for me, that was phenomenal. And I'm heading over there next year with the two younger children, hopefully, and my husband. But um, so when you say, you know, what did I want to do? I think a lot of it started to shape and form when I started to allow myself to be me rather than doing what expectations of society of you should do this, you should do that. Like a lot of there was shooting of expectations. So I was a teacher for 15 years and I just got to a point where I wasn't making a difference. In right. say 30 people's lives, I wanted to have a bigger impact. Right. And now it's in that understanding of you don't know whose life you know you you can impact. And we don't have to do things in such a big way. I always thought it would have to be big and it had to be massive, but it can just be a conversation, a connection, or a smile on the beach to somebody and saying good morning. For me, that's the intention, that's the, the spirit, that's the guidance of just putting putting good out there. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've strongly been the believer of the smallest thing can mean the world to someone else. Mm. You know, I've 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 been that person that's been at the drive-through and paid for the order of the person behind me and I've had it reciprocated. I've like sometimes we look at the big things that people are doing and think, okay, well I could never do that, but it doesn't have to be that. Like something, anything, like you said, even a smile because someone could be having a really bad day and that's all they needed, someone else to smile at them or give them a compliment. And what you just said there, McKinney, I think is the key because you, you've, you've looked outside of yourself to see what somebody else is doing and say, I could never do that. That's mm-hmm. our problem. That is mm-hmm. what we do and go, they're doing that. That's wonderful. What could I love to do? Mm-hmm. What could I do? We're not taught how to do that. And as I said, you know, being a teacher for 15 years, I never once taught a child how to use their imagination. Mm-hmm. In my 21 years of, of my own study not once did somebody teach me how to use my imagination and the past seven years that's all I'm doing every day is teaching people how their mind yeah this powerful incredible tool of well how do I want this to be yeah how do I actually want this to be and this is in the simple day-to-day things if I'm walking on the beach how would I intentionally like that to be if I'm getting up in the morning and greeting my children how would I like that to be and Mm -hmm. if one of them happy or whatever else how would I like to see them instead? Mm-hmm. This is reacting. Again, yeah. those small little things that we can do in our day-to-day, but we look at the big thing, whereas it's the It's the, the little thing. Yeah, it's the little thing. Absolutely. And, and speaking of, I'm going to say, it's not even, well, I was going to say speaking of little things, but it's not that little. So when you talk about being raised by two single, I mean, two only children, I, my brain keeps going back to that because- I understand not that I have parents that are single children, but I have friends who are. So, but um, when you said that understanding that it wasn't about you because of just of their paradigm of how they were, were raised, our parents and our caregivers are often our loudest fans or critics, right? So where did you receive praise from growing up? Not them. So I didn't, again, didn't feel good enough. So that's why I worked really hard at school and why I worked hard at at sports. So, you know, became that straight A student and whatever because I got validation from teachers. Mm -hmm. 
I was a good girl. So I got validation if I did go to a, a friend's place about how well behaved I was, how dutiful I was, how willing to help I was. So I grew up very quickly. I, I, I think I probably missed out on that, you know, real, the childhood because I was trying to seek external validation. And that's one of the things I worked through was this self-approval by achievement. Right. If I wasn't achieving, I didn't get so, I didn't, nobody was approving of me. Right. And so I think it wasn't until my 40s where I was able to say, you know what, Rach, I think you've got this wrong. You know, everybody else says you're really great. Maybe you are. So instead of looking in the mirror and hating myself, loathing myself, berating myself, telling myself I was ugly, blah, 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 not good enough, something snapped in me and I went, maybe I'm wrong. And my life changed like night and day. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that day but I remember standing in the bathroom going maybe I'm wrong maybe I am beautiful maybe I am really good at what I do maybe I can make a difference and then things started to shift and change as my inner talk shifted and changed but um I didn't get that in the growing up environment Mm -hmm. wow so it's a really interesting because I mean there's still there's still pain attached to it as well I would have loved to have cousins I would have loved to have a bigger family and I've probably, you know, created that and what I'm, you know, with my own yeah. um, children and things. But, you know, it's it's never going to change in that aspect. And so we can, we have to have an, and come to a point of a level of acceptance and, and be okay with that. But right. move from the obligation to it's really important to do what's right for me and give myself permission to do that. What is right for me? What do I need here? How can I follow my joy? Nothing's more important than me feeling good. Yeah. And well, there's so much in like everything you said there was just so powerful. The the part about it just clicking, because I was gonna say, what well, you know, was there a particular moment or something that that triggered that shift? But I didn't because I was listening as you were speaking, and not only have I heard many times from women after the age of 40, things just change. So I don't know if it's, it's that Um, I'm turning 43 this year. And I remember just after I turned 40, having a bit of the same realization because like yourself, I was seeking validation through all of my achievements and accolades. And since I was young, like I was an honor roll student, I, you know, did all of those things hoping to get, maybe it was the attention from my parents that I, wanted and needed and didn't get. And it wasn't until I'm probably going to say two years ago, I received a message from my mom that made me cry only because I had waited 40 years to hear it. And she didn't even realize that she had said that. And it made that much of an impact on me. And it was, it wasn't even something that was necessarily directly me because it was probably in my second or third year of doing the podcast. And there was an episode of a woman that I had interviewed and it was a very impactful episode, but my mom had listened to the episode, I guess maybe it was through YouTube or something. And she had sent me this long message of how proud of me she was for the Mm -hmm. podcast and the impact that it's making. And I cried because I thought in 40 years, I don't think I've ever heard my mom say, I'm proud of you. And it switched in my head where it was like, it didn't matter what I did. It didn't matter how many things I did or how often I did or how great I did it. It took 40 years for her to say that. And that was just because she loved a conversation I had (laughs) with someone else, but it shifted my view of everything going forward. I no longer chased accolades. I no longer chased 
quote unquote success. I no longer chased any of those bright and shiny things. My focus shifted to peace, love, and joy. Like the last couple of years, all of the things that I used to pitch myself for, or run after, or think that I needed to get for that, I guess that validation that I, I, th I thought I needed. It's like, mm, no, I don't, I don't care for that. I, I like, this feels good right here. I'm happy. Like, this is peaceful. Oh, this feels nice. Oh, I'm happy right now. And it had nothing to do with any of those things that I was, I was chasing. But I think that's the key because we're chasing something. But yeah. also I was going to say, and I've not actually had this thought, but while you were speaking then and sharing that story, I think possibly maybe you, myself, and maybe anybody listening is that perhaps we went open to receiving the praise or the accolades from our parents in that we were looking for it, noticing that it wasn't there. So if we were looking at action reaction, we were actually getting mm -hmm. exactly what we were focused on. Yeah. And so when we release and let go, we're open to receiving things in a different way. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Just <laughs> out there. Um, you know, that's from an awareness of myself saying, so hmm, where am I blocking that? But it, is, it comes, well, how do I want to be? And I get to choose. I don't need to go and do something. That was the biggest shift for me as yeah. well of, you know, I can be just happy doing this yeah. because I'm happy, happy first. Yeah. Then I'll get to the doing. Yeah. yeah. That was I love me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Before we get carried away, before we get to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell the listeners where they can stay connected with you online, where they can learn more from you and about you. Mm, okay, so I have my own website, which is racheldowney.com.au. Um, and I also have a Facebook group called Mind Shift for Your Success. So I think you've got the handles and things for them, McKinney. And the website, I post a regularly, regular Monday inspiration. It's also in the Facebook group, Mind Shift for Your Success. Um, and I put a lot of content in there, um, you know, that I've written over the last couple of years because I feel that it's just each day giving people something to concentrate or think about. And I get a lot of feedback about this Monday inspiration. So I've been doing this for about three years now. So I'm going to I'm in the process of composing that into a book that nice. you can then download so that each week you can have a focus on. So I'm a bit excited about that's been the next thing, but I love it because you don't know what's coming next yeah. kind of thing <laughs> when you allow these things to be expressed. But um, yeah, and my book, you can just purchase from my website or um, on Amazon, The Secret Million Dollar Paradigm. And so um, that for me is really my journey. It's a, um, you know, a really understanding, say, the information that Bob Proctor taught and then me stepping through his material um, and then what my journey was, where I was and then how I've learned some lessons along the way and where I interviewed six other self-made millionaires because I wanted to understand why is it that some people have got it and why some people don't. Mm -hmm. Where where does that come from? Right. And I said that desire within me, where did it come from? And I wanted to understand that. So, you know, I think when you were talking about, and I really liked it, what were the words you talked about? Caught? Either taught. Oh, or some caught. things are some things are taught, some things are caught. Yeah. Some things are caught. One of the things I, I think I had a, a a wiser lady friend of mine who, who um, we've done some work together before and she said your children will learn through your actions and I've learned it's not just my children it's others who learn through my actions that you know if my intention is just to show up as the best version of myself but I have to work out who that is yeah. you know I'm evolving every yeah. single day in in trying to be that best version and help others to do the same thing but 
I think, McKinney, the work that we've gone through, um, and many of you who are listening to this as well, you know, it's it's work, but it's living. It's yeah. us becoming aware of who we actually are. Yeah. It's all, always, always there. Yeah. It's just removing what I call like virus code to get that yeah. out of the way, to be able to see ourselves really, really clearly. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I will also have all the links where people can connect with you in the detailed section of the episode. So they don't have to search too far. They can just click and, and connect directly. Okay. So let, let's jump into the the rapid fire. Um, I asked some quick reflection questions and you just say the first thing that, that comes to mind. Um, you can answer one word, one sentence, but I don't like to put anyone in a box. So if you want to expand, feel free. <laughs> okay. Name a book that has changed and greatly impacted your life. Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Mm, good one. Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be of money, time, energy. Oh, it's definitely becoming a consultant with Bob Proctor. Best thing yeah. I ever did in my entire life. Yep. I agree. What does success mean to you? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good question. That's completely changed, as you, you would imagine. <laughs> success means to me freedom in that I can do what I want, when I want, wherever I want, and coming from a place of just feeling, oh, I want to say the word, there's not a feeling, I want to say it's just a high vibration where I'm just feeling <sighs> this mm-hmm. is exactly where I want to be. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. What's one thing you forgive yourself for? Being so hard on myself. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Prosperity, hands down. Moving from poverty, lack, scarcity in regards to my time and in regards to to money. Just learning how to become prosperous in my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions has been a gift. What's the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night before you go to bed? The first thing I do in the morning is I smile. That was one of the habits I wanted to create is that I wake up with a smile on my face. And what I do when my head hits the pillow is that I'm um, I'm thankful for the blessings that I've received throughout the day. And I just reflect on a few of those things. I love it. Love it. Okay. Last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? The first thing that came to mind was to be honest. Mm. Honest in the way that we can lift each other up, not tear each other down, but lift each other up and be honest about what we truly want to say rather than what we think what people want to hear. Love it. Thank you so much, Rachel, for your time, your energy, your wisdom, for sharing your story, for being so transparent. Um, Like I said, it's been a blessing to connect with yourself and all the other Procter & Gallagher consultants. Just thank you. I know this is going to be such a fruitful episode. Oh, thanks, McKinney. You never know where it's going to go with all the questions or stories. And and from a listener's point of view, you know, I I really, whenever I I speak and say, look, you know, you can be inspired what's being shared, you know, in any of what McKinney's doing with people and the things that you're listening to, but but take something more from this. Don't just be, you know, charged from the energy. Make a decision for yourself that you're going to do something for you moving forward. Yeah. From today, this is. Absolutely. It's all about the action. It's all about the action. Like, I, you know, being inspired is great, but taking action is where it's at. So one thing I learned just to finish off was it's got to be inspired action because I was a human doer. I would just do, 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 do. Right. But it had to be from the place of it being in spirit, in spirit mm-hmm. action. 
Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Rachel. Like I said, I truly appreciate you. Um, (laughs) And to all of you healers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review. And I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help us rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts out there. And there's over 3 million podcasts. So that's mind blowing to me. (laughs) But we want to hear what were your aha moments from this conversation? What did you take away? You know, what resonated with you? You can screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Rachel at Rachel underscore Downey one. You can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith. A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.